life can get pretty complicated. In the Simply Practically Human podcast, Mark LeBusque talks to incredible humans to see the way forward more clearly through the complexity in the world and in our heads. Let's get ready to thrive. G'day there, fellow humans. It's Mark LeBusque here for the Simply Practically Human podcast. Call them maybe Turbo Edition or Short Sharp Edition. These are just me thinking about some different topics, some experiences, some experiments, some of the explorations, educations that I've had over 20 or 30 years in the workplace. And this week's Short Sharp episode is going to be about what I call the misconceptions about management. And I want to share with you today what I think are five of the biggest misconceptions and, and perhaps a little bit about why they're there and and uh, some ways that you can overturn these misconceptions and turn them into some benefits um, for you as a manager. Now, I'm also going to say this. This could be for someone who's just new into management to maybe learn some things that they can start to put into practice some early. It could be for someone who's a little bit into their career and feeling a bit stuck because, you know, you were handed that little Management 101 rule book at the start and um, things just don't seem to be going the way you imagined they would. Or it could be for those old dogs, a bit like myself, who have been reluctant to learn some new tricks, have been very, very happy to stay with the story of why I should manage in a certain way, what I was brought up on, what it was like back in the time. All of these stories we create to keep us exactly where we want to be, to keep our reputation intact, to keep our identities intact, to keep our suit of armour nice and snug on our bodies. So, if you're listening to this one and you're in any of those categories, I think there's going to be something in it for all of you. So the five misconceptions about being more human as a manager. Now, before I go there, let me start with us being fooled for too long about the best ways to succeed as a manager. Seems to be all about getting the results, behaving in a certain way, and making sure that we follow the patterns that have been established by those who came before us, those who I believe either handed us that old 101 rule book on how to manage or perhaps they indoctrinated us in some way. When we were first promoted into a management role, we were taken aside and even like some frat house ceremony, we were indoctrinated into a way of doing and being as a manager. So if I think about that for myself as a 24 to 25-year-old and my first time that I was promoted into a management role and I'm going to say past, well past my level of competence, so the combination of being technically good and getting on well with my boss at the time who'd been transferred into state and then it sort of said, hey, I'd love you to come and look after one of my branches in that state. So a bit of jobs for the boys going on there as well. I don't think I was ever handed a physical management rule book, but there were certain things that were passed down to me, almost like some sort of ritual or sacred document 
about how one needed to be seen as a manager. Now, whether these things were real or imaginary, what I do know is they stuck tight with me for those first six or seven years when I consider myself in that timeline that I talk about over 20 to 30 years, there was bad mark. And perhaps there was better mark and then there was good mark. Well, back then, I had got really, really caught up in that rule book about how I should be because it was important. And and it is important that we're impressing those above us who have given us the opportunity to step into that holy grail of managing other human beings. So what are these five misconceptions that I think still sit here in the year 2021 that really are important for you to think about as a manager, think about whether or not you are caught up in these stories, think about whether or not you are able to break out of them and what would be the benefits of doing so. So number one, I think a very, very popular one that still gets rolled out today, don't get too close to your people. Now, if I'm thinking about those Management 101 handbooks, this one has been rolled out since the days when we humans stood on production lines, undertaking what I'm going to say purely transactional-based activities. That's when humans were outputs, when humans were units of labour, when it was about how much we could squeeze out of them. It was about when they clocked in or clocked on and when they clocked off and what you could get out of it. And outside of that time, you didn't give a shit about those people. Their outputs, they're not worthy of your time to build a human relationship with. And anyway, why would you do that? Because as we've been told, if you get close to your people, it's only going to make it harder for you when you have to have that difficult conversation or maybe even fire them one day. And you know what? You can't be seen as a supervisor or a manager to be soft in any way and getting too close to people will soften you up like some sort of marshmallow and you just can't be there because it always happens that at some point in time um, you're going to have to have those conversations. Now, I think we've been totally wrong on this one, this misconception that if you get too close to your people and you build deep relationships and you build great connection, you cannot do the work as a manager. So it's almost like we're blurring the lines. There's got to be this business thing and there's got to be a personal thing and we can't have both. And particularly as we move from being maybe a peer to managing our peers, we have to change the way that we are. Now, building deeper relationships, I believe, helps us to build a much stronger connection and it allows us to have conversations as we build that commonality and breaks us away from that us and them mentality to talk about things that may have felt difficult because we have gone past building what we call being liked, I think, as we build deeper connection and find that commonality to being respected. And that will mean that when respect has been built between two human beings or a group of human beings is that when those difficult moments turn up, I think it's much easier to be open and honest 
between human beings. So this idea that we need to be at arm's length, we need to be the boss, we need to be the manager, we need to be that person who at the very worst sees the people as units of labour and at the very best sort of knows a little bit about them but not too much so things become too comfortable. I just think that's yesterday's style. And, we, and one of the things that we all need to look at you need to look at is am I still going with that absurd story that getting too close to my people is going to put me in some sort of jeopardy to be able to do my role as I need to do it. So misconception number one, don't get too close to your people. In a more human world, I say that humans crave deep connection and a strong sense of belonging. And if you want to engage them, get them engaged and motivated and tap into what I call their discretionary effort, I think it's much better that you build connection and you get close to your people for the right reasons rather than for the wrong ones. Number two, being human opens you up to showing weakness. So really what you need to do as a manager is not show your human side because that will show some sort of chink in your armour, some sort of opening for others to exploit, and I think that's just rubbish. Because once we strip away the title, the rank, and the serial number, all that we have left is the human being. And that's what organisations are made up of, fellow humans. They're made up of humans, human beings who have vulnerabilities and weaknesses and things that are going on that we can't expect that they bottle up because if they continue to do that at some point in time, as we know, and we've most likely experienced ourselves or from others, will explode. Too often we hide behind our titles as managers and adopt that suit of armour which has been very, very carefully tailored for us to fit us perfectly and if it doesn't fit us perfectly, sometimes it's because it's been handed down by generations of strong managers who say things to you like, do not show weakness in any way. Do not show a side of you that could work against you because there will be people who will use that. The stronger ones will survive. The weaker ones will disappear. And that's not the role you should play. But how stupid and how wrong that is these days because I believe the human managers, the ones that are open to showing some vulnerability and I guess a side of them that is more human are the ones that are stronger. Those who step into their vulnerability and are prepared to say things like, I don't know the answer, I screwed that up, I need your help, or could even be I'm having a tough time right now outside of work. These are the people that start to get respected by those that are working for them. They're not seen as weak. They're not seen as someone that is letting others down by showing a side of them that they shouldn't show in the workplace. But what they actually do is become role models for others to step into their vulnerability. So if you're caught up in this idea that 
any time as a manager you don't have the answers, you can't tell people what the pathway is, that you're prepared to say that I don't know, that I screwed that up, that I failed, that I need your help, that is actually building trust, that is building a far more collegiate, collaborative group of people who feel safe enough to do the same thing. One thing, one word of advice here though is that you don't just jump straight into this because I want to say this, that showing some vulnerability is neither a KPI or a competition. It's a human condition and it's something that you should embrace. And if you step into it at a pace that's too quick for you, that you're not ready to go at that pace or it's too quick for others to accept, it can actually do more harm than good. So if you think about this piece here about stepping into being more human is to think about it like stepping into a pool. You step down that first step, feel a bit of discomfort with the water, acclimatise to it, then step to the next step and do the same thing and then eventually sort of walk out into the pool. Don't dive in the deep end because you may do yourself some harm and do others harm. But the misconception that you need to be tough and strong and hard to be a great manager is just that. Being more human and showing that human side of you is the way of the future. Misconception number three, that there should be two of you. One is the manager and the one is the human and you should never mix them up or bring those together. And look, there's a real absurdity about this idea that we have to show up as two different humans depending upon the environment. You know, how this goes like this. Be totally professional at work, roll out the corporate lingo, impress the boss, be the boss, display uber intelligence, and above all, just keep hitting those damn numbers. So that's sort of you in the workplace, making sure that everything's right. Once you leave the office, it's okay to relax a little once in a while, unless you are so caught up in your work that you're doing emails and calls and all those sorts of things late at night. It's okay to get around in your daggy clothes, pursuing some sort of strange hobby, but let's make sure we don't mix that up for when we get up the next morning and we get ourselves ready to go to work and we turn up at work and all of a sudden we've got to remember that I need to be a certain way. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't play different roles at different times and we just need to be a little bit in tune with what I call a slight deviation from your authentic self. And that's a topic in itself, the authentic self, because what does that mean? But all of us would have some sort of sense of what it is to feel our authentic self and also at times when we need to step a little bit outside of that. So I don't think there's an issue with stepping a little bit outside of that depending upon who you're engaging with. But what you need to be really careful of here is that if you're going down the pathway of saying there's got to be two of you, you're going to stray too far away from your authentic self. And what will happen there is that the humans that you are working with and the humans that you may engage with outside of work, their bullshit detectors will go off so quickly when they can smell the stench of your flip-flop role-playing 
and they will do that from a mile away. You know, those times where it could have happened to you, you could have been on the end of it or you may have created it, but I certainly know myself having done it was that people would tell me they couldn't quite work out which mark was turning up on which day. Some days he'd be chatty mark, talkative, very open. Other days he'd walk straight in, shut his door and be in there for hours and people would be like, I, I don't know what to do here, I'm not quite sure, but I better stay away from him. The other side of turning up as two different people, as a manager and as something different, is that it takes way too much energy to try and be two different human beings. Life is bloody hard enough as it is to try and be two very distinctly different humans, one being the manager and one being this other human who is a little bit more laid back and a little bit more relaxed and open. How about thinking about this? Just be you in any environment because when you start to do that, I think you will attract people towards you rather than have people running away from you or you setting off their bullshit detectors. The fourth misconception, and this one has been driven by what I call the 100-plus-year-old management system and the way that we have promoted people, and I've been part of that, I said before, promoted beyond my competence because of my technical proficiency. So number four the misconception is you need to know all of the technical aspects of your job to gain respect. Now, this may have been the case when we were standing again in those bloody production lines doing what we were doing, and it was all about the technical side of things, but the world has changed since then. It's not all about just how technically proficient you are. Technical proficiency is important. And it can be more important in some roles than in others, but it shouldn't be the thing that gains respect for you. So when I think about my career and I think about getting to those, let's call it lofty management heights at a young age, and I think about what was really going on, it was because I was technically good at what I did. So when I was a cadet working for TNT on the afternoon shift, my role would include things like going out and picking up parcels in a van. It would also involve sorting parcels and little satchels, courier bags into bigger bags to send off to the right destination, putting the parcels in the right aircraft, stacking them in in a way that we could maximise the cubic capacity of those things. Maybe that's a little bit too um, technical even in itself. But because I was good at putting the parcels, in the right bags and picking up parcels at the right time, guess what? I got promoted. My technical proficiency got me promoted into the call centre and to customer service. And because without the days of tracking and things way back in the 80s and early 90s, because I was good at finding the missing parcel, usually a missing wedding dress on a Friday, a missing mining part for some mine that had been shut down out back somewhere costing hundreds of thousands of dollars, Guess what? I was promoted again into a customer service supervisor. And again, because I was good at having the right sort of conversations with people and getting my people to do the technical work and at times doing that work for them, I found myself promoted again into the sales area. And then because I was good at selling things, I got promoted into a role where I was then managing people, which I was bloody lousy at. 
So you need to know the technical aspects of the role, but you don't need to be the technical expert. Because what tends to happen when we continue to look at just the technical aspects is that we just promote the best technicians into supervisement and management roles. And what we see happen is those people continue to do the technical work that's had them promoted, had them rewarded, and it rolls up into the M word, which is micromanagement. So this is the road to ruin. If it's all about technical proficiency, what we end up with is a, is a whole lot of managers who continually step back into the technical work. They leave the human work to a time when they say, when I've finished my technical work, I'll do that. And they'll never do it, but they continue to micromanage the people below them. So what we need to look at here is in today's world, really, Human beings are going to future-proof careers by developing those transferable skills, the skills they use to inspire, engage with, and motivate other humans to do the technical work they love doing. Listening, being curious, being creative, displaying emotional intelligence, people management, and cognitive flexibility are just some of the skills that the progressive managers now have in their kit bag. The misconception that it's about how many widgets you've sold, how many parcels you've put in the right bag, how many new projects you've managed based upon your technical understanding is the old way of doing things. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have an understanding of the technical stuff. But as one of my bosses once said to me when I was put into a role that surprised everybody and I got the role and sort of walked out and even surprised myself, he very, very openly said to me, I'm not giving you the role because you're great at selling. I'm giving you the role because you're good at getting shit done. You're good at building relationships. You're good at convincing people to do what they don't want to do. Now, that didn't come from anything technical. That came from stepping more into having a greater understanding about how I operated best as a human being and how that could then work with others. So, that misconception, number four, is you don't need to be a technical expert to gain respect. In fact, I would encourage people to continue to work on their transferable skills because as we're seeing in the future of work is that the transferable skills will get you to open doors that you would think you could never open because you haven't got something on your CV that said you were technically good. Number five, and this one is, I guess it's a beautiful old saying, and it's still relevant today, but this whole idea, this management misconception that there's no way to measure the human stuff. So it's all about if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. You know, these nine words, I think, are like this final resistance to accepting that in order to be successful, we don't have to measure everything to its minutiae. Revenue, cost, return on revenue, blah, 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 blah. I could go on forever. Doesn't mean we shouldn't have an understanding of key indicators in our organisation, but this idea that we can't measure the human stuff, why do we need to measure the human stuff? Like, why do we need to have a KPI sheet? Should we have a KPI sheet that captures how many times we were helpful? 
how many times we were caring, how many times we were open to having fun, how many times we showed empathy, vulnerability, compassion. Like everyone craves these things. We hear about it so much in the workplace today, but there's still this dilemma that like we can't measure it though. So how can it be real? It's not tangible. It's not something we can put our fingers on. We know it's the secret source to success in businesses because we're seeing that now with organisations that are particularly doing well in challenging times, not just espousing these things like care and thankfulness and helpfulness, empathy and vulnerability. They're absolutely practising them and they're giving each other feedback on them. So... Measurement's important, don't get me wrong here, but we should be very careful to use it as the only way to gauge success as a manager. From my experience, what I learned was that the traditional numbers happen so much easier when you're not focusing daily on your progress to achieve them, but you're focusing more on the behaviours and what is happening between humans, all of those things I talked about before. You don't need a KPI sheet. You don't need a weekly KPI. You don't need a monthly, quarterly KPI on the human elements of your job. All you need to do is have some emphasis and some focus on them, to practice them, to role model them. And if you do that, what I will guarantee you, as I saw in my last role back in the corporate world, is if you do that, those other measures that we get so transfixed on that we can measure each week, will be absolutely flying. So the misconception is that show me data and I'll be more human and I'll do more of the human stuff. I think you've got to get rid of that. You've got to leave that one at the door and you've got to start to embrace it and then hold your nerve to wait and see how much it impacts on those things that we are measuring weekly, fortnightly, monthly, quarterly, half-yearly and yearly. So my advice to finish this little podcast today, this turbocharged, simply practically human podcast is to say this, is to build strong connection with your people because it is something that will help you as a manager to be able to step into those conversations that you need to have at times that you might think now are challenging that will become less challenging. Step into your vulnerability, be human, be open, Let people know you don't have all the answers, that you fucked something up, that you need help, and that you might be having a tough time outside of work because you're human. Turn up as you because it takes too much energy to try and be the manager and the out-of-work human being. Just be the one person. People will start to come towards you and not step away from you. Embrace the skills that are transferable and see them as something that's going to help you to elevate and elongate your career in management rather than shut you down because you don't have the technical proficiency because that really is, you are the enabler of your people who are technically proficient to do their job, not the micromanager. And then the fifth one is, so what if we can't manage and measure the human stuff? Particularly measure it. Who cares? Just practice it, practice those behaviours and 
those other numbers that you are so wary of, those weekly KPIs, KRAs, whatever you want to call them, will look after themselves if you're not so transfixed on not being human because you can't see some data that says that. So there you go. Short, sharp, to the point. There's another little simply, practically human on turbo speed just with myself. If you loved it, please rate it five stars. Give us a little review and tell us why you loved it. Really important to understand. Loved getting the feedback. If you liked it, share it with your friends. If you picked up some simple and practical tools and tips here, maybe some things that challenge the way that you think, maybe some things that are reinforcing the way that you're managing today, I'd love to hear from you. But until next time, keep it simple, keep it practical, and keep it human. Bye for now. <laughs>